Greetings and welcome to Bombadil's Porch. Today is December 3rd, 2020. I'm Nate Larmore, together with Caleb Klontz and Chris Martin. We are three Christian dads trying to recover that lost pastime of hanging out on the front porch. We're building camaraderie, community, and taking some time to enjoy the view of God's world. And in our next segment, God's Word. We are looking forward today to discussing Caleb's view of the dark side of the moon. I can't I can't wait. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and we're hoping that there will be some solos involved. Yes. I, I've got the music queued up for you, Caleb. Excellent. Do, do you? That's yeah. actually, you know, I was not a big Pink Floyd guy, so you I'm can, not sure that I can even You're sing legally that allowed song. to queue it up, but if you hit play, then we're going to get <laughs> yeah. fined. Yeah, queue up all you want Lo- to. Uh, artificial intelligence lawyers are already waiting That's for right. the, to hear it. I will be talking in our part two of this of today's seg- of show. I'll be talking about a hypocritical mayor and Chris. Robots are taking over the world. I can't wait to hear do, more. Do, do, do. Yes. Well, before we go there, uh, Caleb, let's hear more about the dark side of the moon. <laughs> Actually, the dark side of the moon came from, I think, one of my notes later from mm. a 2019 mission. But oh, uh, looking sorry. at uh, sorry. China's uh, China's recent uh, infatuation or fascination with with the moon, no China's uh, Chang E five. I don't know how you pronounce it. Or change five is that? Uh, but uh, leaves the moon after collecting extensive uh, samples. Um, this actually just is Chang E five the name of a spaceship. This is the name of the s- lunar. I don't know. I was reading your your show notes here. When I saw leaves, I thought you were making. I thought this was going to be something about the tea leaves, but you meant leaves as in depart. So the spaceship has been there and is now departed. But what happened while it was there? It took really cool pictures and oh, this is Caleb's segment. Yeah, it's my segment. I'm sorry. Are you reading about it? I, I have been reading about it. It's, it's really uh, cool. You should tell us about it. Yeah. It's we've, in the, uh, we've come and in the northwest in the northwest part of the moon. I, I was really wondering when I read this. How are they determining when north is on the moon? <laughs> well, the top. Yeah, well, the top from our perspective. Does north always mean is north is north always relative to a magnetic field? When mm. you're talking about non-Earth celestial bodies, does does the celestial body have its own magnetic field? Probably. In which case, where's north? On the top. Oh, well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> on the top. Come relative on, to I, mean, I don't know. I just I was bottom. wondering how, how this was uh, how this was determined. But but uh, that's a, uh, we've, now I'm, I'm we've really totally curious. wrecked Caleb's yeah, segment that's here. Really I don't even already. know what I was going to talk about. The good news is I wasn't that ready today yeah, anyway. So, so wherever it landed, oh. however they determined, what happened? I was happened? thinking, actually, let's change it. Let's talk about uh, the uh, the new uh, restrictions in Italy for COVID. Oh, oh, oh really? No, just kidding. Oh, uh, I was going to say, now we're all charged up to hear about Change five spaceship. Yeah, well, they, uh, you know, China has been quite interested in the moon. It seems like if you look over the last, yeah. just even couple of years, they have been doing a lot on the moon. Not just space, but the moon specifically. With people or um, just robots and things. No people yet. Okay. No, right. no people. But uh, but it's in forty years since any samples have been taken um, from the moon. So I'm not sure why China's eager about taking more samples. Um, they are taking them um, kind of the furthest on the peripheral from what we can see um, in this in this uh, in this latest mission, but uh, we'll see. Th- those are due back here uh, mid mid month, so we'll see if they find anything spectacular that they're willing to share. Maybe maybe they left COVID up there. 
I'm not sure. Oh, <laughs> I hope no. not. Should I have said that? Ooh, yes. now, we're, now we're done. Oh, yeah. Now we're really going to get shut we've, down. We've run no. afoul of our ruling elites oh, no. with that comment. But last, but last year, we they did actually just check had a to mission. see if anybody listens to the podcast, though. <laughs> That's what I was trying to see. That's what I was trying to see. The, uh, we had three listens last week. Is that what you're <laughs> feeling was, more confident now? <laughs> the. Uh, uh, but uh, last year they did send a uh, they did send a uh, had a mission where they did send a, a rover to the the dark side of the moon the the backside which was the first time anybody had really explored that first time anybody had landed there and they did confirm some things um, the size of the craters and some of that and sent back pictures um, and so that's that's interesting um, and part of the the interesting thing I was thinking about a story that you talked about uh, a few a uh, couple of weeks ago Nate. About that huge radio telescope. Ooh, yes, the Arecibo. Yeah, Arecibo. Radio. Rest in pieces. Yes. And, yes. and one it's of the officially done. Did you see that? It collapsed entirely. entirely. Oh, I didn't yeah. see yeah. that. No, it, 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 I thought I heard something the, the entire, other day. Big boom. Yeah, the entire suspended platform wow. uh, collapsed. And I think it was in the middle of the night. Yep, they're very sad. Yeah, yeah. And so that... Uh, Part of the fascination with maybe the, the backside of the moon, at least, has been speculated that uh, that putting an array of uh, of radio telescopes on the backside would allow for them not to have interference because there's a dead space there um, from from Earth and from all of our radio <laughs> radio broadcasts and everything we're doing, and so you ah. can get some real low radio frequency mapping of space. Um, from without without interference, and so that may be an interest. But and I don't you can know. also find the transformers. Yeah, maybe, and that's that's that are hiding that's a back great there. Point. Yeah. So, what, what's going on on the dark side of the moon? Well, that's just it, and so that's been you know a lot of people wondering what is what is China's, and maybe you guys have some insight into that. What is, what do you think China's fascination is right now? Is it just progress and and finally catching up with where everybody else has been, or is it uh, colonization? Is it missile? Bases, is it? Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> it, uh, At least they're aiming the wrong way from the far side of the moon. Why does the man on the moon have a big cigar today, Mommy? Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. Uh, you know, that's an interesting uh, question because I, I don't think, I haven't heard anyone speak intelligently or write intelligently about what China's long-term gains really are. Other than this business of the modern Silk Road Investing in infrastructure and ports and and in loaning bazillions of dollars to third world countries and effectively locking in their ownership and their influence for the next hundred years, you know that's not that big a deal, right? No, I'm just kidding. But but besides that, like space exploration, uh, I, I think I don't know what they would what their interest in the moon would be. Although you have to say they do seem they do seem to have a focus on the long-term future as opposed to the here and now. Whereas I think we're flip-flopped. We seem to be focused on today and not very much thought for next week. But um, when you do invest, like historically, I mean, our space race, our, our trip to the moon was 10 years in, in, in development from the time JFK committed to the time we landed, give yeah, or take. more or less. Uh -huh. and, and of course, the well, Apollo missions. Was alive. The, when was that? Uh, well, back in the 60s, the Apollo missions were the finale, but you had the Gemini and Mercury programs before that. Mm -hmm. And it was a very systematic approach to, can we put a person in space and they live? Can we put 
person in space and go orbit the moon, not land on it and come back and they live. And then, you know, the finale being with the Apollo missions being, can we launch a spacecraft with, with people on board, not just travel out to the moon, but actually land and then come back. So, so it was this really mm-hmm. staged approach, but it took 10 years. Sure. You have to, and any kind of a national investment, I'm speculating, of course, but on China's part, their, their national investment in space exploration is more than likely linked to something very long term. And it couldn't indeed be real estate. And um, it could indeed be mining. I mean, there's all sorts of different reasons to go. And uh, it could be national pride, but it's it's likely much more than that. I was just Googling and I didn't come up with anything cool. I Googled China moon conspiracies uh-huh. and nothing interesting came up. I'm so disappointed. I need to dial that in. That in and of itself is a conspiracy. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Oh, something, scrubbed. something should have come up. I've got to go, go over to Art, <laughs> Art Bell's website, see what he's got to say about I mean, this. If you Google like baby carrot conspiracy, you'll find probably more articles. But. All this boring stuff came up. Space.com came up about, about this mission you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Caleb, and they found uh, they collected some rocks, and supposedly back in August of last year, they thought they'd found some gel-like substance, and uh, but there's there's nothing nothing yeah. beyond that. Unfortunately, I was really looking forward to like secret moon base. <laughs> well, la- last year, early last year, when they sent their uh, rover, I believe they sent seeds up to. Was that when they sent them up? I think so. And they had the first ever plants. Um, that uh, that, sounds that right. were grown on the moon's surface. Granted, they were in a sealed container, <laughs> container but uh, yeah, cotton seeds, uh, they sprouted. Yeah, seeing if the radiation out there would have been too much for even the, the habitat containment to handle and is it possible to cultivate things. Mm-hmm. And that is yeah. a concern, you know, if for colonization, those sorts of things, or if they're going to have longer term missions to the moon uh, for, for anyone is the amount of radiation and how, how to mitigate um that is that much closer to the sun and without the the Earth's atmosphere. Yeah. This whole subject gets me thinking about just how lame technology innovation has been for like 30 years. Everyone's like, oh, we got the internet. Well, great. I can watch YouTubes. However, there was a time, I wasn't alive. (laughs) I've only read about it. There was a time. That's got to be like one of the best ways to instantly get boomer status is to use... What the phrase? There was a time. <laughs> did, did I just get? How old are you? Implying I'm a boomer? Maybe I am. I I do spend a lot of my time reading about what happened a long time ago. So maybe, maybe culturally enough. I am. Uh, but there there was a time mm-hmm. when the the sharpest minds in this country, and by extension, many sharp minds from other countries, would come here to take part. Were involved in truly amazing interstellar at times activities. And now the smartest minds in the planet are focused on getting us to click on moronic links that we don't really care about and getting us to click again and again and again. Mm. It's just kind of, I don't know about you guys, but I'm, it's a little disappointing. I, I thought, I thought we were supposed to have flying cars. What was the date in back to the future? Oh, I don't remember when he went to the future. My wife future? would know. It was like 2015 that was on the on the in the car when he dialed in. Yeah, it yeah, was like was 2015, and and we we're, Very we don't sad. have anything cool. No, uh, no but, hoverboards flying around everywhere. Yeah, but I kind of go back to uh, the the. It just seems like we and maybe maybe this is changing, uh, with with uh, SpaceX 
And of course, um, uh, Bezos has his company. There's a number of different private space companies. Maybe we are going back in or coming into a new golden age of space exploration. But in terms of NASA, and I grew up loving NASA, wanted to work for them. But in terms of like government sponsorship of, of really interesting things, we haven't seen anything like that. And, and there's a lot of national pride that that seems to to embrace those sorts of projects. I know nationalism has been dubbed the new swear word. I don't, frankly don't understand why, but in China, that's not the case. No, which is why I think when you mention national pride, don't underestimate the power of that. Mm-hmm. China has such great aspirations for being seen as, at the very least, among the top tier nations in the world, and, and their goal would be to be the top nation in the world. And when you look at players like uh, Russia, uh, players like the U.S., the role that our space program <laughs> has played in national psyche, you travel around the former mm-hmm. USSR area, uh, you talk about Sputnik, and they still, you know, they stand up a little taller and straighter mm-hmm. when they hear uh, Yuri Gagarin. Yuri Gagarin. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was, that's, that's to this day a massive uh, part of their cultural psyche. Same for us, that we put a man on the moon is to the point of, of great international pride. Um, and, and I think for China, that's sort of... Uh, part of part of the equation for them is how do we how do we establish ourselves as as a top or the top nation on earth? We need to have an economy that's bigger than everybody else's. We need to have a culture that's bigger than everybody else's. We need to have a technology and space program that's at least as impressive or better than everybody else's. A military mm-hmm. presence. You kind of go down the list of trying to check all the boxes. Well, and they've really. I mean, it's really only been about twenty years, and maybe even less since. Uh since China even got involved in, in anything space. Yeah, the um, ability of them to uh, do research and development at that speed is remarkable. Well, when everything's made in their country, <laughs> they see the plans. Hmm. <laughs> yes. It, uh, it, it, says, it says a lot about... We, don't, we, we hear so much uh, shallow talk these days about, oh, everyone has so much potential. In reality, by yourself, you have, have potential to do virtually nothing. Uh, the fact is, potential is always realized through association with others, teamwork, and large teams. And I think uh, it's a pity that together everyone achieves more. That's mm. right. That's one right. plus Somebody one equals three. Men's study that loves to to say that almost yep. weekly. Which which men's study? Our Tuesday morning men's study. We yes, have a yeah. Tuesday. No, I'm just kidding. It's You've too been early there before. I have, but I, it's so early. I it is early. It is very early. I can't get there. And then when I do get there, I, I'm just not a fellowshipper at that time of day. <laughs> well, I think I might be a wet blanket. <laughs> you got to get up even earlier. See, that's my trick. The only way I can be a fellowshipper <laughs> at that time. That is not is a good be, sale. Is to be up by four. <laughs> I know. It's terrible. Nate, if you want to uh, come to the 630, wake up at four. Yeah, I'm that's going to happen. I'm an early morning guy anyway. <laughs> I am earlier at least than Chris, but, uh, but that's still too early for for me, and so I've got to have like oh, a couple man. hours of mental prep before I'm having to deal with other people. I was, I've got a connection on LinkedIn. I'm going to leave his name out because he's a colorful fellow, but he's an interesting guy. He's lived uh, former military, uh, started up a few companies in Asia. He's now back here on the West Coast and has started up a few more companies. A smart fellow. He posted the other day. I think this is interesting in terms of technology innovation and how it is an investment in the future. And I'll, I'll quote him here. He says, whoever first wields quantum supremacy with large-scale quantum computers, where they can compute things in hours that would take months for a supercomputer, they are the pilgrims. Everyone else will be the other peoples that have gone extinct. 
there will be no global synergy, inclusiveness, or paradigm to be excited about. His point is investment in com- these kind of computing platforms today are effectively locking in your supremacy for the next 50 years. I wonder if this business of the fascination with the moon and space exploration is just an extension of that mindset. And it's something that unfortunately here in our culture, this kind of thing has been demonized. And it's no wonder we've lost a competitive edge and will continue to do so, so long as any kind of nationalistic fervor or pride is demeaned. And, uh, and, and really, if you think about it, it's, it's, it's made fun of, it's mocked by this cynical crowd that is, seems to be the loudest ones in our country right now. And I would I would link that too as well to the 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 losing or the cultural loss of, of a philosophy of science that was inherited from uh, the Reformation. Mm. That notion that this world has been put here with with rules and with wonders to be discovered and to be explored by the creatures that bear His image. Mm. And there's there's a cultural fascination. There's a um, a scientific. Uh, fascination that comes with that, and I, I we we have to recapture that. You can recapture, I think, in a toxic way by just having it be a just a bald nationalism. Mm-hmm. I want our country to be to be better than your country, just for the sake. And of And we're being just stacking better. up kudos. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's unhealthy. Um, and then when you get comfortable enough, you stop going around because mm-hmm. you're you're happy with your trophy shelf. And then somebody else comes along and burns your house to the ground. <laughs> you know that's how how yeah. it work, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, as, as Christians, I think we should always have that, oh, what else does God have out there that mm. we can discover? Because uh, he's filled this world with more wonders than we'll ever know. Do you think there's a relationship between our, our culture has been obsessed with self-exploration, understanding who <laughs> I am, and, and, and just discovering the deep depths of my potential? Do you think there's a relationship between all this self-exploration, this inward-focused obsession. Yeah, navel-gazing. And when you're doing that, you are not outward-exploring. You're not pioneering anything. I mean, Jean-Luc Picard would be absolutely flabbergasted if he was here. Be awesome For if he was. Reasons. Yes. Yeah. I'm real. <laughs> I'm real and I'm in a church like that would ever happen with Captain Picard. But, uh, but you know, there's when you are so focused inwardly, you don't. You are not focused outwardly. I just wonder if there's some relationship there. Maybe you guys feel differently. I think there probably is, and I'm actually looking forward to discussing it in some degree at the end of our next podcast Ooh. with my book review on cynical theories. Ooh. Oh, cynical okay. Well, theories. let's 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 yeah. bottle that You'll because I can't Tuesday. wait to get involved in that. Yeah. All right. Good. Well, uh, uh, Caleb, I don't know if we allowed you the space to really explore the, the, the Chang five leaves the moon story. Yet. I want to hear my other, my, no. other, yeah, wanna, my other headline I was going to talk about. No, I want to know Instead. if there's anything more we should talk oh, about I, the China's fascination with the moon. Well, I don't know. I don't know that there's anything, uh, you know, to it or not. I it definitely, you see this, this rapid, uh, desire. I really think to be number one, even in space exploration, uh, they're going to go further, uh, with the moon than anybody else has as far as uh, as far as what they're trying to, to do and where they're trying to explore and they're they're putting a lot of a lot of clearly a lot of investment into that um, so it's just been interesting to watch over the last couple of years uh, the way they've really you know gone from what i think 16 years ago or something was when they launched their first uh astronaut 
cosmonaut. It wasn't that long ago. I mean, in terms of time, it really was not not many years ago. Compared to the fact that, you know, we haven't really been back to collect samples anyway in 40 years between us or the the Russians, right? So, um, and so it's just interesting to see how they're really stepping up their game. (laughs) To be fair, well, what did you find? Sterile dirt. Well, where? Everywhere. They come back with rocks. We're like, we've had those in a museum for 50 years, guys. Interestingly, the the backside, the crust is... uh, just different because it's exposed to you know to everything else that's been coming at the earth as opposed to right. it's, it's a different uh, it's a different uh, game out there so who knows who knows what they'll yeah. what they'll see Good you know they they were taking more I think even kind of drilling samples probably looking for do we know uh, that they know. really landed or was this a faked moon landing I don't know they had colored pictures which is better than anybody else has had so mm-hmm. I'm guessing it's a, re- mm-hmm. a real it's landing. really hard to fake a colored picture. It's like virtually impossible, which yes. is why on the internet, if you ever see a color photo, you know it's real. Well, and it was time wow. stamped, and that is very hard to fake a time stamp. Very difficult. Everyone is accepting it as real. Let's just put it I that way. I would assume it's real. I'm the sure there are some people that are not expecting it. And flat earthers aren't. The flat earthers are not having any of this article. <laughs> well, well, they're sure still recovering not. from the loss of their hero. <laughs> uh, who, who, yeah. Anyway, I'm about to make a joke about getting flattened, but. Oh, no. Too soon. Oh, oh. Yeah. That's However, I do want to make the comment that there's there's no, you know, there, America's relationship with China is rough right now, mm-hmm. and there's there's a lot of reasons for that. But there is also a kind of a nationalistic competition there, and um, there's reason both to wonder at some of the motives for programs like this, and to be somewhat concerned about long term ramifications. But we also, I think, want to retain the ability to wonder in the other sense at just how cool it is that mm-hmm. you can launch something into space that can beam back video, color video of it landing on the moon. Yeah. No, I, that is really cool. It, it's fascinating. And so, I mean, I, yeah, I did, Both sides. wasn't picking this article necessarily to say what is their hidden agenda, but just yeah. uh, just how cool it is, uh, you know, and, and who mm-hmm. knows what we'll see in these samples coming back. Um, I, you know, hopefully that's that's shared with the world and hopefully, you know, we can we can continue to explore. I think there's so much uh, to me. Space has always been fascinating. So, you know, looking it's hard for us here because we don't get out of town enough to really see space and, and all the stars. And But, man, when you're in the middle of nowhere, if you ever get a chance, you know, growing up in Bolivia, the generator shut off, all the power's off, and all you can see is boom, mm, sky, yes. you know, and it just mm. seems so just, I don't know. That it's is really cool. It's cool, too, when you do get those chances, you're looking up and you see the Milky Way, mm-hmm. you see all these constellations. And it's the same sky that David looked up at night and wrote about in the Psalms. It's the same sky that Jesus would have looked up at. And of course, he would have not just looked at it, he was holding it all together. Oh, and is, it, is it, Israel in the southern in southern hemisphere or is it North? It might not be quite the same sky as we see, no, but it's not. It's north of the equator. I'm kidding. It is. I'm kidding. You Debbie Downer. You harshen my gig over oh, here. Oh, look at that. <laughs> there are parts of the world where you're not looking up at the same nice. sky. I'm just going to say it well, that way. When I've been south of the equator, that is true. You do get a different view down there. Yeah. That is absolutely you see the correct. Southern Cross. And, and the, the toilets things. flush the opposite way. They do. Well, <laughs> it's odd. Depends if it was designed to flush the other way. Mm. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> Counterclockwise. Um, boy, our, uh, boy, 
have we we have My just goodness. danced all over this topic. Caleb, do you would this be a good time to segue over yeah, to Yeah, I think we um, should. Segue. segue though. Stephanie said she doesn't like our segues. Yeah. We're calling out Stephanie. What would blunt. she prefer? Blunt, straight to the point. That's the end of this segment. Now we're going to do the next segment. Okay, let me try that on for for to see how that Stephanie, fits. this goes out to you. Caleb, we are done with that part of the show. Oh. And we are now moving on to the second part of the show. Okay. Which is my part of the show. Yes! <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if you guys saw this. You probably did. The mayor of Austin <laughs> was recorded a video and uh, and sent it out to, to his citizens there, instructing them to stay home. His citizens where? Uh, in 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 Texas, in Austin, in Texas, yes. And okay. then it came out that he, in fact, recorded the video while he was in Cabo, Mexico, on a little vacation, and he'd flown there in a private is he jet. The, is he the mayor of Cabo, Mexico, too? I I don't. Well, it's that is not <laughs> revealed in this article. Okay, but uh, I just you know. So he wasn't there on work. Folks kind of <laughs> take care of people. <laughs> he might have been searching for a vaccine. That yeah, that's possible. Okay, or. We're closing a large, a mass volume sale of masks, maybe. But I, I, I really think, based upon this, he was there for a family wedding with twenty other people. Uh, you know, I, I don't. I, I see this article they added in here that he flew there in a private jet, and I know that's meant to make us further hate him, right? And um, and I'm not really into that. If you can afford to fly a private jet, more power to you. If I could, I would. But what I do, what this struck me. But you shouldn't. You shouldn't. If you could, you shouldn't. Why? Yeah, those resources could be used for something else, Nate. Like what? I don't know. You see, that's Jesus. the problem with that. <laughs> I'll them, find a use, use for them. Use them for G. Well, I, I, but I could. Hold on. Wasn't there an evangelist that needed a <laughs> yes. Gulf Stream? Yeah, he yes. shouldn't and that have needed was, that. That was a, he that was doing was that for okay. the kingdom. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> have I too could take Chris today? Well, I'll tell you what, though. I find a jet under the Christmas tree this year. I am flying it. No doubt. By yourself? Do you or know? A, or a net? I'll figure it out. Okay. I'll, play, a, I'll play Flight Simulator a couple times. I'm sure that'll cover oh, man. it. If there's a NetJet subscription right, waiting for me under the tree, I'm, that's... There you go. I, I, I've flown, I don't know if I added it all up, probably over a million actual miles over the years. And... Um, that's a lot I, of miles. It's a lot of miles. Been flying for a very long time. And I hate flying commercial but it's just, it's, well, not this year, but prior to that, it's what I had to do for work. It is just the most brutal thing. Mm. And I've often thought if I don't really care about being rich, but if I could get on a jet, don't even <laughs> care about the luxury or the food, just having, being able to pull up in your car and walk out to the that plane and then that would you be very go, nice. oh, how awesome would that be? So, so back okay, to that. Sorry, back to the story. I, I'm yeah. not, I'm not hating on this guy because he was private jetting, but I do have to say this. The three of us can't be the only ones that are getting absolutely fed up with the hypocrisy of, I think I probably often refer of of our ruling class, but that's kind of, it doesn't feel like there's an aristocracy that's sort of emerged that has a set of rules that is for everybody else and not for them. And now I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to get caught up in anger at, at our, at our rulers, right? As a believer, I think that's wrong, but I do want to talk a bit with you guys about this hypocrisy that just continues to emerge, whether it's Governor Newsom, 
closing down restaurants and then going out to a restaurant with a bunch of people with no mask and gets caught on caught and and then apologizes whether that's this this county commissioner in California that went to and voted to close down the restaurants and immediately went out to a restaurant uh, whether it's people in you know national politicians local politicians the hypocrisy grates everybody and i think it's interesting whether you're a follower of jesus or you're an atheist the hypocrisy is infuriating why do you think that is nobody likes hypocrisy um unless they can get away with it it's good for me but not good for them sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, we all have a sense of justice uh, that we have a sense that there's that if a, if a rule is a righteous rule, then it's, it's righteous universally. Uh, and, and this idea that there's an imposition on, on my freedom and, and my volition that's not because it's actually a good rule, but it's just because it's what you want to make me do. That's really frustrating. Mm-hmm. I think there's an aspect to all of this, the reality, which is just that I think some of these people, we've created a ruling class, first of all, um, by electing the same people over and over again, but um, or allowing them to stay in office. But I think they have just, they're so far removed now from from the common people that they don't, they don't even see it. And I think a lot of the, the hypocrisy they don't see, we're making rules for you because we're governing you. But but we're doing this because this is what we're doing. Let you them know? eat cake. Well, and, and you know, so if I've got <laughs> mm-hmm, if I've got, mm-hmm. and, you know, I don't I don't think every governor's probably got a a chef that cooks all their meals or anything like that. But but the idea is, you know, if I don't have to worry about where my next meal is coming from or my next paycheck because I'm the governor, then I don't think about the fact that the things that I'm doing may actually cause people their livelihood. And so I go, oh well, it's okay because we're going to put a moratorium on evictions. Well, but at some point you still have to pay that money, right? Mm-hmm. Those landlords are still waiting for that money. There wasn't a moratorium put on their mortgage payments or on their taxes, property taxes, right? There's not a moratorium on everything. We're not we're not just stopping everything. You don't have to pay for anything anymore. Everything's free. Okay. So, you know, I think they forget that because they they don't have to worry about those realities, they forget what the common person has to has to deal with. Do we uh, on a much smaller scale do do we, as parents, do we fall into this sometimes? I mean, no, yeah, never. I, I mean, I've never been a hypocrite with my my kids. I'm sure. Actually, actually, now that I say that, I'm being immediately convicted. Even though I was kidding, uh, <laughs> 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 uh, I I'm when I when our got to a point in our parenting where you're really parenting, right? It's not just survival mode. Keep the kid from falling off the balcony, sort of a thing. Yeah. One of the things I've, that struck me was every time I would go to correct the kids, even if it was justified, you're helping them, you're, you're nurturing them. There was a part of me that I felt like the Lord was telling me kindly, that's you. Um, you know, I, I, when I tell the kids, you, if you, you say you love us, yet you intentionally disobey. And these rules are here for your protection. They're here for the, you know, our, to protect our home. Of course, I say that, and then immediately the Holy Spirit reminds me that's and he's we do not serve a harsh God, not to his children, not a wrathful God. Gently, Nate, that's a good point. If you love me <laughs> and you say you love me, then why don't you obey me? And and so as a parent, I mean, I can relate to this to this this 
twinge of, of hypocrisy. But again, when it comes back to our leaders, and I think, does it, and maybe we just weren't aware of the hypocrisy, but it does seem like this is, it's certainly getting more airtime. And it certainly is frustrating. As Christians, how do we deal with this? How do we call out hypocrisy because truth is important, but do so with respect and with an attitude that pleases the Lord? Well, there's a big difference between uh, calling sin sin and and being disrespectful. Mm. Uh, you know, when Nathan comes in to confront King David, it's not because he's disrespecting the king. We have a broken understanding of respect. There's kind of a, the the street the street version of respect, uh, which which means you don't ever say anything negative to me, uh, and you have to acknowledge that I'm cool and awesome. That's not a biblical notion of respect. Uh, it, and, and we have to, as Christians, always speak the truth in love to everyone. And that might mean we speak the truth in love and then we joyfully obey no matter what they say. Uh, but yeah, there, there can't be a reluctance to say, well, that's sin. Uh, I just think of you know Herod, for example, <laughs> you know, mm. when he was giving his speech and people were trying to butter him up with flattery, the voice of a God and not of a man. Mm. And you know, immediately because he didn't give glory to God, God struck him down with worms and he died. Yes. You know, it would have it would have been the respectful thing for somebody in the audience to have said to the people around him, No, that's a man. He's our king, but that's a man. Uh that would have been the respectful thing to say. So yeah, I, when when we see this kind of gross hypocrisy, um, I think it arouses a lot of suspicions. And we're we're sometimes suspicious that our leaders make up rules that are just convenient for them, but aren't necessarily sincere. And when they don't live by them, that seems to <laughs> validate our suspicions. Like, yeah, this is this is a, a all an act, isn't it? You're saying what you think you need to say for publicity or for political reasons or for power reasons or whatever. You're not actually telling us what you think is best, or you wouldn't put your mothers into the situation. You're telling us that we can't, and um, and so there's I think there's that there's that animosity, and it's okay to call people out on that. Mm-hmm. I don't think we need to be reluctant to, but if you say then therefore you know hashtag not my governor, <laughs> now you're disrespecting. Raise your fist, time to rebel, throw well, the tea in the we, harbor again. Yeah, or yeah. if we say well because you didn't <laughs> because you didn't do it, we don't have to either. They were very respectful with the Boston Tea Party. Yes, that was respectful. That was actually, yeah, when you read that historically, that was not, had nothing to do with like the mobs running through the streets, burning stuff down. They swept the ship. They had even bought a replacement lock for the lock they knew they'd have to break to get into the tea barge and replaced the lock when they left. (laughs) They also had a good time while they were doing it, right? I mean, there was a a carnival atmosphere, as I recall. They did dress up kind of silly. Costumes and, um, yes. But uh, anyway, just the tea was lost. No other damage was sustained to the British shipping uh, company or anything. It was (laughs) just the tea leaves themselves. I was speaking with uh, uh, another Christian recently who I just met. I hadn't, hadn't met her before. And for some reason, uh, she um, brought up politics right away, and and um, and got to say, I, I kind of retreat from that uh, a lot. Um, maybe not with you guys so much, because you know it's we we chat we chat a bit now and then every week. <laughs> but started to retreat, and I was really interested for for someone who had just met. She was very kind of emphatic. It's time to rebel again, and and I don't want to judge her. Um, 
uh, harshly or unfairly, but but how do how do Christians deal with this? I mean, as as this as this the unrest and the dissatisfaction in our population grows and continues to grow um, amongst leftists and conservatives alike. How, how, how can a Christian stand apart and glorify God in the midst of this, but but not compromise truth? How do we how do we balance that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's I think that's tough. I uh, you know I've been dealing with that. Uh, just almost conflicted, conflicted a little bit personally, you know, you know, how do I, you know, there, we, we believe there's spheres of authority for, for church and worship where we're taking certain stands, right? Where it doesn't have a right to make things. doesn't mean we're throwing caution to the wind. We're, we're deciding, you know, what we think is prudent and we're, and we're taking steps, obviously, to keep people safe and distancing and, th- and those sorts of things. Um, and yet not saying, hey, you can just tell us everything we can do and when we can and can't and all those sorts of things. Um, but on the on the flip side, we're not we're not wanting to encourage and promote lawlessness, you know. And and I think there's the danger there where Christians go, well, you know, yeah, we're doing whatever we want to do here, so let's do whatever we want to do out there. And and that's no, because that's actually is the sphere of uh, of authority that the governor has. And so in that sphere, we need to be be cautious. And then, of course, we've got the added complications of you know. Well, do I listen to the president or the governor or the mayor or the the local sheriff who is is saying whether he will or will not enforce certain things? You know, who who do you talk to? Who do you listen to? And and so um, I just for us and our family trying to kind of navigate those waters of you know, um, you know how do we show that we are um, submitted to and and respect authority. Um, and yet, you know, when, when do we choose to, to say, no, this isn't, isn't right. Um, and so, I mean, and, and that, that the hard thing is that that line's kind of not moving standard wise, but it is, it is moving because the, the restrictions are constantly moving for one thing. And so it's hard to navigate exactly what, you know, and we could read the whole letter of the law and still never really understand how and where we're supposed to comply to it. And I can meet with five people outside of my home, but inside of my home I can, but I can't. But only if they've, you know, quarantined for 14 days, which is now 10 days. But if they could be seven days if they've had a negative test. Um, but if they've been exposed to somebody, you know, so, I mean, you know, you get the idea. It's just, it's very complicated to try and navigate those things. And so, um, yeah, obviously our, our attitude and our posture should be one of submitting to to our governing authorities, except for where they're asking us to do something that is, uh, at least in the civil civil sphere, <laughs> where they're asking us to do something that, that would be contrary to our conscience and to, to our, our faith and trust in God and what he has commanded us to do. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I think another way of summarizing some of that would be mend your heart and then tend your fences. Mm. And by mend your heart, I mean check your attitudes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the two in particular to watch out for right now is fear and anger. Don't mm. do anything because you're afraid. Never. As a Christian, we are never to do anything because we're afraid. If we are afraid, we need to turn to God mm. and say, God, give me a spirit of courage in you because you're in control. Save Which, some of that for the next podcast. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Boy, we are really selling. I, I'm there looking go. forward yeah. to the next Don't podcast. Next I want to get done yeah, with this one. Yeah. Because uh, that, yeah, that, that's huge. Um, even if something is about to kill you, do not fear it, mm. right? That's, that's different than saying, I'm, I'm invincible. Everything's fine. Nothing may be fine from, from a physical standpoint, but we, are, we can never make godly decisions when we're afraid of anything but God himself. And then secondly, don't do anything with anger. The anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. And so if 
we're making decisions because we're angry with the whatever the governing authorities are doing, we're not going to make wise mm. decisions. And even if we do the right thing, doing the right thing with the wrong motive is still sin. Mm -hmm. uh, so check our hearts, get to the point where we are in a position of joyful contentment in God, and then we're ready to start making decisions. And so mend your heart, secondly, tend your fences. And that means we like have it. got to sharpen our theology. Yeah, so I said, I like it. You like you're, it. You're helping summarize my- Mend and my, tend. Me there you go. My <laughs> mess of thoughts. Tend. I love uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, no, uh, please feel free. Well, thank you. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, sorry, inside joke. Uh, Had to be there. Yeah. Well, some of you, our this listeners have Walmart, been there, but anyway. <laughs> no, that was not Walmart. We'll get into that. We'll get into Walmart, we'll get Walmart too. Yeah, soon, Another I inside hope. joke Otherwise, I'm still trying to discover. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, tender fences meaning we have to have sharp theology. Because uh, the answer to what do you do when the authorities around you seem like they're out of line, et cetera, et cetera. We don't rebel. Like Christians, we don't rebel. We submit hmm. sometimes radically. Uh, our submission to God, our submission to what he has ordained occasionally means we cannot submit to other authorities, but it is not an act of rebellion then. It is an act of radical submission to the highest authority. And so we as Christians need to be really sharp. What is the responsibility and sphere of authority for us as individual worshipers? What is the responsibility and sphere of authority for us as families? Mm -hmm. As the state, as the church, we need to know and have a, a firm, settled conviction of conscience based off of God's revealed word as to what those things are so that then we can make the determination, being joyfully content in whatever circumstance God places me and knowing his will for how he desires us to worship him as, uh, as men and women in these different spheres, um, then this is the best course of action by which I can glorify God. So once you've established what those theological fences are around what what things are are and what they're meant to do, once you've checked our heart, then you begin to have the the discernment, the freedom to chart a course that you think is most strategic for the gospel. And so that doesn't have to look the same for everybody. And there may be somebody who says, I'm going to take a stand on this issue because I biblically can, and I think that's what's going to be best for the glory of God. There might be somebody else that says, I could take a stand on this issue, but I'm going to choose not to because I think it'll be more uh, gospel strategic for my neighbors or my situation if I don't, and I don't make this the issue of offense because I'm focusing on this issue over there. And there's freedom to do those things, but then everybody's at least doing it with a heart that honors God. You know what contributes, Chris, it's so it's it's convicting and inspiring all at the same time. You know what I think contributes to fearful and angry Christians is sin. <laughs> well, sin. That's a root cause. No. But also isolation from one another. Mm. You know, if you are living inside your own head for the most part, and by the way, in COVID times, I think we're particularly susceptible to this. In COVID times, uh, we're isolated from one another, spending a lot of time in our own heads, very and in. And, and, a constant stream for many of, of you, I don't even know if you can call any of it news anymore, but some kind of an information stream. And in that, boy, I, if, if you want to, if you, if you, you know, as listeners say, oh, I'm not that afraid much, turn on your news and watch it for 20 minutes. You'll be stressed. You'll be stressed about situations you mm -hmm. didn't even know about f a half hour before. Even our young people. <laughs> I was talking last night to our students. We had an extended conversation after our youth group. And several of our students were saying, yeah, I just had to stop watching the news for the last three weeks because it's just too stressful. 
Mm-hmm. Which was cool. Like I didn't know that some of any of our students were watching the news, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, right. But it affects everybody. And I think that that what you said there. I was I was just listening as you were talking. The fact that the three of us get an opportunity at at a safe social distance here, as I look across the room. Um, but the fact that the three of us get a chance to interact with one another about these topics is actually beneficial to me personally. Mm. Amen. And, and because it is the total opposite of being isolated and listening to uh, podcasts that I chose, listening to particular news streams that I chose, and, and, and that constant stream, uh, incoming stream, frankly, these days of negativity and cynicism, I think it contributes to fear. It contributes mm. to anger as Amen. a Christian. And I'm not saying that we ought to put our heads in the sand and pretend the world isn't isn't real. I don't think anyone's suggesting that. But but I would say for for me and maybe for those listening, it is just more critical than ever, whether it's by phone or or, or Zoom call or whatever, or at safe distance on somebody's back porch. Good luck when it's 28 degrees out. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think it's more important than ever that we as believers be interacting with one another. About important issues, not just the fact that, um, you know, the Steelers are, are they still undefeated? I, didn't, I have no I idea. didn't watch the end of the game. So anyway, um, Sorry. I, guys, I appreciate I you either. indulging um, this topic with me about the Austin mayor yes. telling all of his constituents to stay home while he was in Cabo. <laughs> there you go. Enjoying the surf and turf, no doubt. Well, um, tip of the hat to Stephanie. We are now concluding that portion of our show. This concludes. And we will now advance to part three, which, Chris, we are looking forward to hearing about the robots. Mm. Yes, part the third, in which I attempt to take an international phenomenon and pass it off as a local story. This is local, though. Nita just got one of those vacuum robots. Oh, was it a Roomba? It was a Roomba. It was a Roomba. Let me tell you, Mm. the dog is transfixed. It does not know what to make of this thing. So, so that we'll start there locally. Speaking, speaking of the dog <laughs> and a Roomba. Yes. Yes. Izumi will never purchase a, a robotic robot because of a story she saw on the internet. A robotic about robot. A, about a Roomba. Robotic vacuum. <laughs> about a Roomba coming upon a room in which a dog had been... A bad dog. Oh no! Yeah, and I then, saw that one too. And then proceeding to uh, transport, bring about your your worst nightmare, spreading it all throughout. All over oh the house. boy! Ooh. Yeah. Anyway, that, that's still probably floating around somewhere for anybody. So, make sure if you uh, get a Roomba, you have a potty trained dog. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, oh, well, I was trying to localize your story here, Chris. Yeah, no. I, I don't think I've helped. We've, we've now descended well, into fecal chaos, but uh, <laughs> retreat, <laughs> pull retreat. Up, pull up. <laughs> here's, here's the connection. Here's the connection. Uh, Caleb and I, as, as we are often want to do, we're shopping together. Often, often want. That's cute. We shop together all the time. All, we that's that's really shop what, together. What do we shop for together? Happened. Clothes and yeah, shoes. Whatever. Or, whatever been we want. moments. I'm, I'm digging we've those picked pumps. Up, I think I picked up some socks one time at Kohl's. Um, we make little excursions. I'm going to keep an yeah, eye out for no, you two while I'm out on the town. It's normally something for the facility that we need. Uh, and so we're like, hey, let's grab lunch and go to Best Buy or Walmart or whatever it may be. Yeah. So we were at Walmart. We were looking for a power strip with uh, the plugs at a 90 degree angle from mm-hmm. the way they normally are oriented so that it could fit all the wall warts mm-hmm. 
on the t- behind the TV that we were mounting on a wall here. Well, this so is a technical that was the shopping story. list. Yes. Yeah. Yep. But as them. we were waltzing through Walmart together, um, I noticed I uh, skipping, actually. one of the employees there was pushing this cart, and it was a cart of a design I had never seen before. And so I commented to my my friend here, uh, Caleb Klontz, um, that cart looks like it was designed for a robot, and then someone just stuck handles on it because they haven't finished building out the automation systems yet. The cart with bins, and there was a picker yeah. picking orders for their online. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So, and it may have just been a, a very efficient design for a human, but it just made me think, you know, that looks like infrastructure coming in for automation. And especially, uh, you know, just you see the rise of self-checkout stations and just automation in general just cropping up over um, almost everything around. And and COVID, this whole pandemic season has really uh, accelerated that. And if you look around, there's headlines all over. uh, Workforce automation soars. Grocery stores turn to robots during the pandemic. Tyson turns to robotic butchers. Is the pandemic spurring a robotic revolution? Answer, yes. Pandemic-fueled automation. um, Just you name it. uh, There's been this massive outburst of, of automation in the in the age of pandemic, uh, it's also not just in the commercial workforce. I read another article recently talking about I believe it was nineteen different uh, social robots that are being developed because one of the things driving automation is uh, an age bubble, a global age bubble where there's a lot of older people hitting retirement years, and there's no sufficient younger workforce to replace them. Uh, because the birth rates have fallen off a cliff in almost all the developing nations or developed nations uh, of the earth. So th- that's what's driving this this force of um, automation. One of the articles I read quoted uh, what is called uh, Amara's Law. And it says, we tend to overestimate the effect of a technology in the short run and underestimate the effect in the long run. Meaning we think this is going to solve all of our problems. Or this will be this will be game over. Nobody will be able to compete with us if we develop this. Uh, and so we overestimate the effect of that, but then we underestimate all of the unintended consequences mm-hmm. and the long term impact that it has on culture and on people and relationships and all of that jazz. And so I just kind of wanted to uh, to posit to you guys and and do so briefly because our our podcast is running long again, uh, but. In in a world where automation is likely going to be the economic answer to a lot of conundrums, um, how how important is it? You know what what is really lost if, for example, the human element becomes not the norm in retail space in economic space, uh, and and then I think probably one that's easier to answer is what is what is lost if that human element is lost in caring for the elderly and caring for those in their retirement years when very efficiently, very technically competently care is administered, but the human element is gone. Uh, what, how, would you, how do you calculate a cost-benefit analysis when automating something will mean faster, cheaper, more accurate, safer, all of those things, 
uh, but less human, less relational. Uh, and, and all the opposite things, more expensive, less efficient, um, less safe, etc. cetera. Uh, how, how, as Christians, do we, do we think through what technologies we should want to adopt? And, and when we should say, you know, this valley, for example, will be better if I pay more at Walmart, but I get to see somebody helping stock the shelves and helping answer my questions on where to find something and helping me check out. Or where do we say, hey, you know, I just would really love to buy my 20-pound bag of flour for 50 cents less, and I don't mind going bloop across a little machine at the end. Hmm. Do they have to be wearing masks? <laughs> the machines? No, the people. <laughs> the, the, the robot. People. No, you know, do I, set a good example for the people. <laughs> I think, I think the, those, who, those who know me know I love people. <laughs> and those who know me will know that, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm intentional about going to the same, if I can, to the same cashier, uh, you know, at the same store. I'm intentional about shopping at a store that's closer um, to where I live because I can be there more frequently. But that is um, that even if it's more expensive, you know, yeah, I could go to down the road maybe and find a better deal on this somewhere else. But why wouldn't I go to the store that's right here so that I can hopefully build a relationship with with people? Uh, you know, obviously a part of that is is with with gospel intentionality Ooh. and a desire to, to you Ooh. know, eventually have an opportunity to Is it at all related the that gospel? the closest store to where you live is a coffee stand? Oh, well, I have been there before. <laughs> I actually... For the I, sake I, of the gospel. That's I, right. I actually, I used, Do you have yeah. to jump the fence to get <laughs> Well, I've got a gate in the fence. I'm oh, just pulling no. in. Wow. Yeah. I've, I've, I've heard there's even a pulley system. Yeah. <laughs> you can pull yeah. well, the coffee cups right into the window. I like that coffee the place, problem, too. Uh-oh. See? Some great drinks. Uh-oh. My problem is a problem. I, I, don't, I don't like their coffee. Oh, well, I don't like go. the brand of coffee they use. Not because the brand is bad. It just didn't make good coffee. Where, where and, do you uh, go? Are you able to say? Or do you have to keep it on the down low? Well, I forget what brand they use. Uh Actually, that blissful whisk or whatever—that's pretty good. That has fantastic espresso, whisk. and I'm not sure. I, I looked up what brand it is. It's a local, a uh, local roaster as well. No, I, I'm not a fan of Doma. I, I mentioned the name. Sorry, Doma. Uh, I love that they're all for fair trade, organic, and all that that jazz. But their espresso is not good. It really isn't. Is it's what, fine when you mix. Is that no what sugar. Whistle Stop uses? Yeah. Doma. Okay. What about Swell? What are they? What are they? I'm not sure what they're okay. what they're doing. I'd have to look into it, uh, but yeah, none I like my use, own espresso. I roast my own use coffee, Pepsi, so. which is why I don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, who drinks Pepsi? Have you ever met anybody that drinks Pepsi? No, Coke. Of course. Everywhere you go and you order a Diet Coke. Oh, I'm sorry, sir, but would Pepsi be okay? It's no one ever orders a Pepsi, and they're like, "I'm sorry, sir, we only have Coke products." Um, <laughs> except for Chris. Except for me, <laughs> and maybe oh, he's and the, demographic, yes, the demographic of one. You know, it's interesting <laughs> talking about coffee shops. Now I feel alone again. <laughs> Uh, There is, you know, we were created, we are relational beings. Even the grumpy curmudgeons Mm. still have people that they like to be grumpy and curmudgeon-y. Is that a word? Is now? Sure. With. Yes. It is no fun being a curmudgeon if there is nobody around. There's an enjoyment in being grumpy. And if it's by (laughs) yourself, then it's just depressing. We're we're relational beings. Mm -hmm. And and I I think it's interesting, Chris. You know, whether or not we choose to shop at Walmart because of automation, I, I don't know that those corporations, I don't know if our decision would have any bearing on that. But we do get to choose where we go. Here locally. And and I will say one of the things that's been particularly saddening about the COVID restrictions, 
unintentional, I'm sure, is how the small businesses have paid the price of government policy. And I'm not saying the policy is inherently bad, but but the larger, massive places, um, of course, they have much bigger overhead and costs. They've been they've remained open, but mm-hmm. the smaller places have had to close at times. And I think the policy is getting more balanced. But my point is, those are the kind of places you could choose to shop there and build relationship with. And I think here in town, that's important. Mm-hmm. And and not, you know, for a variety of reasons, people will choose where they want to shop. But but the relationships are really, really vital, I think, for all of us. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so back to where I was going, because you guys didn't let me finish and you butted in. I, I like to be with people <laughs> oh. and I like to talk to people. You're only, you, what episode is this? You're only now realizing we butt in all I know, the time. All the time. <laughs> I, I never get to finish what I was talking about. <laughs> but uh, but what I was going to say is, you know, what I find is with, with wearing masks and the demeanor of people, even wearing those masks, I actually find myself wanting to get in and out. Part of it is I don't want to wear that mask any longer and I have to. I, I find myself a, a person who was vehemently opposed to all these self-checkout stands or buying your groceries and waiting for somebody just to put it in your trunk. I find myself not, just being drawn to doing it myself quickly, get out of there. I don't have to be in this mask any longer. I don't have to look at other people wearing these masks. And uh, and so I think I think that's, that's a challenge for me uh, because sure. I'm I like people. But I don't get to see people anymore because so much of being with people is is seeing them, and uh, and not just seeing them as like some object. Although some people have some very creative masks, I will say that. That's true, but in general, there is, yeah, there's almost a sense of shared cultural shame when you're mm-hmm. around a bunch of people that can't see each other's faces, and yeah, that isn't comfortable. It's not desirable. It's, it's yeah. hard to recognize people, too. I was up at Trader <laughs> Joe's. I saw, sent you a, a – Caleb, I, sent, I texted you a pic of some products up yes. there. And I was up there cruising around, and I saw someone that from the eyes up kind of looked familiar, and he looked at me, and I looked at him. And so I kind of had to do a, hey, how's it going there, bro? And uh, <laughs> it turned out it was somebody from here at well, church. I, I nice. said hello to Zoomy the other day at Safeway, and, and the person stared back at me. It wasn't her. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> and, and upon second glance, I, I realized it wasn't her. At but, least it wasn't uh, just like, Okay, I get that maybe you didn't recognize me, but. Did I, do I really like Japanese? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At least it wasn't Chris saying hi to who he thought was. For those of you who don't know, my wife is Swiss nationality, but raised in Japan, so she has a Japanese name. So <laughs> Caleb just ran up to some random Swiss-looking lady and called her Izumi. <laughs> we were just passing oh, the aisle. I said, oh, hey, Izumi. And then the lady. What, what oh, wa, Caleb yeah. does. <laughs> Those are Okay. Anyway. Oh, boy. Uh, uh, but I, I uh, this will be interesting, Chris. I don't know at the individual level how much control we have or influence we have over automation, but it is definitely something that will continue. And I think yeah. what's really sad is for all the promise of technology mm. um, over the past 50 years, the promise has been a utopian promise, more connected, more time to spend with one another, more time to enjoy I don't think a lot of that promise has been realized. I think, if no. anything, technology has continued to isolate us yes. more and more. Yes. Always will. The designers, I, I give them the benefit of the doubt that they actually meant what they say. They didn't mean for this to happen, but it has happened. And yeah. it's something we need to to rail against in, some, in, a, in a productive, positive way. The other thing is our kids are growing up in a society. Think of the world they're growing up in. They've not known anything different. We need to really... 
uh, equip them mm. yes. to, to reach out much more proactively than we probably needed to when we were kids. One, well, encourage and build them those to, relationships. Yeah, encourage them to build relationships, to have friendships, and uh, uh, you know, good good friends. Uh, still, still to choose their friends wisely, but but it's easy to get stuck in a you know online only uh, you know environment. Oh, well, we've got all these friends, all these connections. You don't know anybody. Yeah, Bobby Dash three four two Dash Cucumber is <laughs> not a really legit friend. Um, yeah. Uh, or, yeah. or if even if you do have your buddies online, that you know that's such a limited way of interacting with each other. Yeah, I think there's a huge opportunity for forward-thinking retail, not to hate automation because automation can do some great things, mm-hmm. but don't pay the dude to put the pickle jars on the shelf, but don't fire the dude. Get mm. the robot to put the pickle jars on the shelf. Pay the dude to stand at the end of the produce section or the food section, and his whole job is just to stand there and say, have a good day. It's good to see you. Thanks for coming in today. Mm. What can I help you find? And you pay people to interact with people. Mm. And I think automation has the opportunity potentially to create a much more social and relational environment economically uh, if they're willing if they're willing to, to see that as an advantage. And I think that would actually be a huge uh a, a huge economic advantage for yes. for those retailers that see that, and then on the other end of life, you can't, do not take people out of the care for the elderly. I mean, mm. I mean, yes. the, that you you cannot you're you're just going to die, right? Yeah. You're going to uh, and there, and you what, can't prevent oh, death. Man. There's no dignity in in dying in, in, in creating situations where people are dying alone. There's no. no dignity or respect in any of that. I love your idea. About retasking people in a retail environment. Mm. Delegate the menial tasks to the impersonal dumb robot because that's the kind of task robots were designed for. Exactly. I don't care if a robot put the pickle jar on the shelf, but I'd like a person to tell me where to find it. Wouldn't Mm -hmm. you love it? I mean, when Trader Joe's, when I saw that fella, and Mm -hmm. I will not use his name here because we passed each other in the wine aisle. Ooh. And I'm not sure if that was appropriate or not. Oh. Well, that's why enough. we both pretended to not know each other. Oh, that's what mm-hmm. it was. Okay, so the plot mm-hmm. thickens. But it, what I, that reminds me, though, there is a guy. He's not a sommelier, but he's something close, a wine something at Trader Joe's, who wanders the aisle asking you, is there anything I can help you find? Mm-hmm. And he'll even ask you some interesting questions about, you know, what do you like? And is there a certain meal? And he'll figure out what a pairing is. Now, whether or not he knows anything about this, I'm going to assume he does. That's a really cool thing. Yeah. And if you had something over in the cracker, the cheese aisle, or in mm-hmm. or in Trader Joe's, the sauces aisle. I mm-hmm. love it over there. Just somebody, if you have there's all these other aisles yeah. of, of the of the store, not just Trader Joe's, but any big store. Um, it reminds me of when Home Depot's first opened up. What was that? The late '90s, maybe mid '90s. Mm-hmm. What was awesome was that you could walk in and find people that you could talk about what you needed these bolts for or whatever, and they could talk you through your project. Mm-hmm. And you might yeah. remember that dark period when Home Depot cut down and you couldn't find those people eh, anymore. You still and can't Home, really. And Home Depot stunk. <laughs> well, and, and, but now at least like you can ask somebody, hey, I've got this plumbing project. And they're like, oh, we'll find old Sam, you know, because yeah. every plumber's yeah. name Sam. I literally <laughs> had that experience. Was it Sam? Just a, it wasn't Sam, but I <laughs> okay. went to Home uh, Lowe's, Lowe's, and mm-hmm. I said, I there was a guy standing there by the hardware aisle. I said, I need to find these things. Half of it looks like a bolt. Half of it looks like a lag bolt. And he goes, uh-huh, yeah. Um, 
there's an old guy yes. <laughs> who's, who just walked around. He's on the next aisle. When he comes back, ask him. <laughs> and so, sure enough, about t- uh, 10 seconds later, this guy comes walking back out of the aisle. He, I'm assuming he was the, the old guy. I don't know if he would have appreciated that title. But I said, hey, I'm looking for these things. Half of the side looks like a bolt. Half the side looks like a lag bolt. Yeah, those are called hanger bolts. Come with me. Boom, they're right there. That's what you need. I love and it. And it was just like that. Can I say, I wish, and not uh, we probably don't have anyone of business influence listening in, but per, just in case, I am totally willing to pay more to have a, a richer interpersonal experience like we're talking about mm-hmm. here. Now, I'm not going to pay double. I'm not going to no. probably even pay 50% more, but I will consistently go to a store that I know, hey, if I've got a need like hardware, they're going to talk me through it. And here's the other thing, too, I'm gonna, uh, I think that's worth chatting about. Oh, man, I'm looking at our timer and blowing oh, yeah. me over. Tick tock, tick tock. Yeah, no, we have this big screen now with this huge the, timer up have there. Have you guys ever bought from an auto parts store? I'm sure you have. Yeah. The, why are those guys always jerks? Every time I'm in there, I'm like, I need an oil filled. And there's like this, this vibe when you go in to buy a part for your car. It is bizarre to me. And maybe that vibe works for, for uh, gearheads. I'm not a gearhead. But man, if you if you had an auto parts store where you could go in and not be made to feel like a complete idiot within the first thirty seconds, um, there there's there's a move for you too. So maybe these mm. these guys can can create a sommelier for the. Uh, I don't think we pu- I don't think we pull up store. to an auto parts car with the right car. Hmm. <laughs> like, oh look at that guy's got an old fifty seven you know Chevy convertible. Hey, what can I do for you? And then oh Toyota Sienna. Yep. Nice. nice. Sure. Yeah, we got that. Go away now. Well, mm. there you, you see a lot of Sienna's rolling around. So anyway, mm-hmm. I, anyway. I love that idea, yeah. Chris. Uh, and and maybe as innovative believers, uh, we can go the extra mile to build relationship. And maybe as innovative believing consumers, we can help yeah. create some ideas and uh, for a better way to do business out there. Well, yep. I think, and I think that's. I mean, you can change a culture in a store. You know, I, I I'm getting flashbacks of when I worked at um, Sears. Arts and Service Center. Oh, nice. Um, did you? North Foothills uh, Boulevard when it was there. Yes. And, and, you know, going back and picking parts and finding them for people and going through all the diagrams of all the Sears product and, and you know, finding the bushings that somebody's looking for or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that was pretty cool. Um, but, you know, the, you're right. In that kind of an environment, there's a lot of room for people just to just have positive attitudes. You know, I was a, a young man and, and just... Uh, I think trained fairly well by my parents and so, and, and those who had influence in my life. And so I was actually quite friendly. And then pretty soon I started getting people bringing in, uh, hey, here's a 12 pack of beer, you know? And I'm like, oh, I'm 18. Were they looking for parts <laughs> so, for that? Or how, well, how was no, that they, oh, they, they would were bring gifting. that back in afterward oh, because it was like, man, you were so helpful nice. and friendly and helped me figure this out. And I was just doing my job, but I guess with a better attitude than. Your, and some people, your dad's like, going to yeah. text you here in like two minutes when this it broadcast. Take a ton, though. I didn't yeah. take the beer. Okay, I told okay. the guy I, I couldn't. Uh, can't I'm, sorry, I'm not alcohol. old enough, you know. I'm sorry, I'm not even sure <laughs> yeah. if I can take presents like that. At, well, I'll uh, throw a shout God. out here to Joseph at Taco Bell. Yes. Yeah, there's a young man who, when it, if he's working there and you go in, you just feel like you had a special experience because yeah. he is, yeah, just so friendly and professional and. It's like, wow, I want to come back here. Uh, so it doesn't have to be this amazing, difficult thing. It's just caring about people. Mm-hmm. And the church has the opportunity, I think, to show, show and remind our culture what this is supposed to look like. We've got to be people-oriented in our families, people-oriented in our church. You can't automate discipleship. 
Mm. And at the end of the day, discipleship is the most important human experience that we can have. And mm-hmm. so that has to be something that we, we specialize in and an area for us to begin to, I think, rethink as God's people is especially end of life stuff. Mm. Uh, you can, if you could keep a, a relative alive marginally longer by relegating them to an institution where they will be cared for by a robot. Or you could care for that individual yourself. I, th- I think you'd, we as the church need to begin to pioneer again where some priorities need to be in the value of life among the relationships that God has put people in. Mm. So some things to think about, mm-hmm. but um, Amen. I think that's probably where I will end this segment. This segment is now ended unless you guys had a, a parting shot you wanted to take. Nope. I will. Uh, I think we're all that. That was good. I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Well, that is all for this episode. Thank you listeners for hanging out with us, exploring God's amazing world. Don't forget to tune in for the next episode. And remember, you're always welcome here because we will always save a seat for you here on Bombadil's Porch. To subscribe to our podcast, look up Bombadil's Porch on Spotify using your podcasting software of choice or visit us at bombadilsporch.com where you can also leave us a voicemail with comments or questions or suggestions. We always love hearing from our listeners and we can also be reached at bombadilsporch at gmail.com. Well, from myself, Caleb and Chris, I want to remind you, the Almighty God, the Ancient of Days, has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. He made you with purpose. He made you for His glory. Be encouraged. Don't despair. Never quit. Never give up. Do not fear, because you are never alone. <laughs>